Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Com Report wherever you get your podcast. You watch it on YouTube, like button, subscribe button, you know that. And if you want to find us on YouTube, go to Empire Media, A-M-P-I-R-E. Hey, listen, wherever you find us, it's always much appreciated. Today, I'm joined by the voice of the Washington Commanders, Bram Weinstein, as we dig into the Commanders preseason, but also look ahead and we start talking about the season. Finally, right, folks? Also, don't forget, you can catch Bram on ESPN 630, and you can follow him on Twitter at RealBramW. You can read my work on ESPN.com. I have a story up now on Ron Rivera's two-year battle with cancer, where things stand now, and give it a read. It's on the site right now, so there you go. With Bram, we get into Scott Turner, Jack Del Rio. We talk about Carson Wentz, of course, and how this team, where this team kind of stacks up in the NFC East some troubling signs, some encouraging signs based on the preseason and looking ahead, looking at a few guys in particular. Stay tuned for that. Before I get to that, I did want to go over a couple of things. One, final cuts are Tuesday, 4 p.m. One note, the commanders practice at 1.30 that day, so my strong sense is we'll know who all the final cuts are before they go out to the practice field. Because, again, it has to be made by, made by 4 I think mean, they're going to bring guys out to practice and cut them a, a half hour later. So we should know probably be before one o'clock, I would think. Um, so to look for follow, you can follow all of us on Twitter for that stuff. We'll have a wrap up on ESPN.com of, of Washington's cuts and the moves, et cetera. So look for that. Now, a couple of things I wanted to get into about the final roster. Ron Rivera said after the game Saturday night that there were probably about four to seven spots up for grabs. I want to give you a little bit of a rundown, very quick rundown on some of those spots. Defensive line. Does William Bradley King make it? I think if he does, as I've told you before, it would be as a 10th defensive lineman. Do they keep that guy? I think he'd be a hard one for them to lose. So I think he'd be up near as a, a stronger possibility than some others. But they have to decide if they want to, if they're going to keep, if they're going to keep 10. I think Shaka Tony makes it as a ninth guy because he's got the ability to turn the corner and show something that others do not. If you needed a guy right now to contribute on a consistent basis, you're probably going Bradley King. If you're trying to develop a guy, Tony is your guy. And I think that's the way they're looking at it right now. Going into the Saturday, going into this weekend, Tony was definitely on my roster based on the things I've heard. Things change. And I've learned that over the years. So what you think is definite one day is not the next. So they get into meetings, they go over things, and sometimes opinions change. But that's the way it would be viewed going into this weekend. So I'm going to stick with that. Linebacker, did you keep four or five? Because last year they kept four, and then they, they kept a few guys in the practice squad. They elevate them. They eventually work their way on the roster. That's a possibility. Does Milo Eifler deserve to be on this roster? He has some speed. They like that. But is, did he play his way on there, or could you just go with four and put him on the practice squad or, or Dijon 
um, Harris, who also played last night next to Jamin Davis with the first groups, does he? Do you put him on the practice squad? You you know. So I think that's a decision to make there. Defensive backs, Jeremy Reeves, I do think makes it. Go read the story that I wrote on Rivera because he did talk in there. One of the things I asked him is about his appreciation for things. He said one of the things he appreciates more now than ever are players like Jeremy Reeves because of the way they prepare for practice. That's a clue, folks. So I think – and he's also had a good summer. I think he's at a good spot with his knowledge of the defense, et cetera. I think he, I think I would be surprised if he gets cut. Does Stephen Parker make it as a six safety? I think that might be tough. He's a strong safety type. They already have a couple guys. Percy Butler – has been working a lot as the Buffalo nickel. Derek Forrest, of course, has worked there. And they can both those guys can kind of play, can also drop deep a little bit more versatility. Parker makes it if he's a, if they want a physical guy, but as a sixth, my guess would be as a sixth safety, does he make that? I don't know. But I think, you know, I think if he, I could see him getting put on the practice squad here for sure. Cornerback, I think they need depth there. I think they need more help there. So that's a spot to watch after after other cuts are made throughout the league. Same with linebacker. And I it wouldn't shock me if there are a couple guys that pick up in, for linebacker and for um, cornerback. I think Christian Holmes, I think he started off pretty well in camp. I think the more it went on, I think you see some holes there. Does he warn a roster spot? I don't know. I think I did have him on there because I know for a while that he was looking pretty good. Had a tough finish. But who's going to be ahead of him? Danny Johnson will be on there. Uh, Corn Elder, I think, will be on there as well. Um, Dewan Neal was another guy that they liked, but he had a tough he had a tough game against the Ravens. He's a guy you could put on practice squad. So that's that's how it handicap it. I think they keep five and five at safety and corner. Not for sure. Sometimes you keep eleven. It could only keep nine, you know, and go with ten defense again. Ten defensive linemen, maybe nine defensive backs, five line five linebackers. Don't know for sure. But those are some of the decisions they're having to make and are deciding them right now. Offense, nine or ten offensive linemen. Does Wes Mart make it? Could depend on Trey Turner, what they how they view Trey Turner's health moving forward. And, and I think that would be a big key there. Tight end, I like Armani Rogers as the fourth tight end. The problem is he's very raw. Do you want a more experienced guy to come in and, and do something for you? In that case, it's Blanton, the guy they picked up from the Rams. I don't know that I saw anything from Blanton in that final preseason game that says, oh, you've got to keep this guy. But then again, it depends on, do you think Logan Thomas will be there for the first game? Do you think John Bates will be there for the first game? And I think that would then maybe decide what you do with that spot. I don't think they're going to want to risk losing Armani Rogers to somebody else at this point. So I think he makes it. I'd be surprised. And I think he's played his way on there. Do you keep four running backs? Does Jared Patterson make it? We'll see. That's another decision I think they have to make. And then at receiver, does do you keep six or seven? Dax Milne, I would I feel pretty safe in saying that he'll be on there. So the question is, does Alec Erickson make it as a seventh receiver and then as your punt returner? That would be his role. They like Dax Milne as a receiver more. So there you go. Those are some of the decisions the commanders have to make over the next few days. Stay tuned for well, pay attention to it on Tuesday. You can find us all on Twitter. All the beat reporters will be on there tweeting out the cuts, and you can read a wrap-up on ESPN.com. Anyway, that's it for me. Let's get to my conversation with the voice of the Washington Commanders, Bram Weinstein. Bram, another scintillating preseason in the books. Um, By the way, and for some reason, I want to bring this up to start with this, because this was a kind of a gross memory. And it it just hit my mind, because training camp is over and all that. The time that you and I shared that room in Carlisle, 
with the moldy carpet. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, we're such a far cry from all of that too, because we stayed in a dorm in a small town on a, you know, like we'd go get frozen custard from the stand down the yeah. street. There's one or two restaurants. There were players in the one bar everybody hung out at. I mean, gingerbread man. We're just such a different place, honestly. And it's crazy that we're, we're where we are now and that, they practice the way they practice. They do it from their home facilities. That's actually most of the league now. They do it from their right. home facilities. And it's just, it's a different world for sure. It's a, it's a different world, but also in that dorm, if you remember, the shower would drain onto the carpet. And like we had, each had our bedroom. There was a main <laughs> area and the shower would drain onto the carpet. It was great. Oh, man. Yeah, the joys of sports media. You know, <laughs> I have no complaints about my career, but there are these moments where you go, what am I doing here? Like, what? What is happening right now? Yes. I actually did like Carlisle, but I just always remember that room is like, that was kind of gross. So I, yeah, you had to, you had to use, definitely had to use sliders and flip-flops or whatever to walk into that bathroom. It was just a different level. Anyway, nobody wants to hear about that. So this thing is wrapping up preseason number. The third game wraps up no starters, except for a couple, Jamin Davis, uh, James Smith Williams, Benjamin St. Juice. But I want to start with what your sense of this. Do you feel like you have a good sense of who this team is and can be after um, now that we're heading into the regular season portion? Not really. Maybe you could tell me if you do. I mean, because last night, you know, nobody played. So that's really that's really hard. I thought we'd probably talk about this a little bit if you want. I mean, Sam Howell's nowhere near being the starting we'll quarterback, but I actually, yep. yeah, I actually thought he was very good, you know, for, I was the one thing that was kind of exciting last time to see him play a whole game. And I thought he played really well. Um, outside of that, you know, I think I am more, I'm concerned about situational football. Like this has happened three weeks in a row. Um, you know, last night's was they get inside the five twice and can't score a touchdown. Granted, none of those people that were on the field are going to be playing, you know, in two weeks when they play Jacksonville. So it's kind of hard to, to get, you know, particularly upset or call it a trend or anything like that. But in Kansas city, they were on the opposite side of the 50 multiple times. They could not convert third downs. Um, this team has uh, had a summer long issue with scoring. They can't score like two of the six touchdowns they've scored in three games. And that's not a lot of touchdowns to start with, but two of them came in the first three quarters of these games combined. Five of the six halves started with the other team with who didn't matter who was on the field, long drive score. Um, last night was a little different, obviously for the defense, third down defense was way better, you know, so there was, but again, all backups. So, you know, there are some things. And, and the other one that like, I can't even believe didn't happen, especially with all the backups, they didn't cause a turnover. Like, <laughs> That's, that's that troubles me. They didn't cause a yeah. turnover. Like that's that's really amazing, honestly. That troubles me because it's kind of like if you're not going to get off the field on third down, you better do something well. And that third down defense, I looked this up. I think last year of the bottom eight teams that were on third down percentage, one of them had a winning record, and that was the Chargers. And the top eight teams, all but one or two had a winning record, and I think six of them were in the playoffs. So that's why that thing is important. Then you would, from there, you're looking at turnovers too, and they weren't causing them, so that's a problem. But let's stick with um, with with the sense of who they are, because I think, do you usually feel like you have a sense of who a team is at the end of camp, and is this team any different in that regard? Um, yes and no, it depends. Like last year, I think you and I talked about this a lot last year, 
we both knew something was wrong at the end of training camp going into the season specifically on the defensive side of the ball and it was really of just a vibe and also Rivera was saying things right there's you know when, when, when the coaches kind of out loud say a few things that you know he called it maturity at the time but like when they're saying things like that to us they want to get a message across to us and then it the beginning of the season, the defense was bad, like really, really bad. Third down defense, historically bad on third and long. Couldn't stop anybody when they needed to. Um, so this year, I don't hear any of that. Um, I, I think like it's like the uh, it's that old meme that's out there all the time where they're like, everything's fine, except the dog's got the house burning behind him. Like right. they're acting like everything is fine. And all I can go off is that it is. Um, I don't think we've seen much of the offense. No. You know, honestly, in those first couple of games where Wentz and company played, I didn't think we saw very much of it. This past week, I thought we saw some glimpses of it in practice for the first time. Now the doors are going to be closed. So for the next two weeks, we're not going to really see them practice. Um, so I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm I'll go back to what I've been saying all summer. I've never been more optimistic about a team that I have so many questions about. And the outcomes of these games, forget the scores, but like the outcomes of these games in those situational moments, give me a lot of hesitation that this team is really ready to go. Like, so like, those are the things that I look at and I go, if that carries over into the regular season, I don't care who's on the field, you lose. Like the margin for error is too close. If you can't convert on third down on the opposite side of the 50, if you can't score from inside the five, if you're going to miss field goals, you know, if you can't stop anybody on third down and you can't get any turnovers, you will lose. I don't care. I don't care how many good players you have. Correct. And and that well and with that, like and I agree wholeheartedly with, with that. The problem one of the problems I had last night with inside the five, like again, these are all backups and all that. So it's gonna be different. But one of the guys who who could have helped them tremendously is the guy that they drafted in the third round last year, and that's Deami Brown. And I don't know what happened on that drop. He had a couple drops. But the one should have been a touchdown. That ball was right there. And his inconsistency troubles me. Now, he's he's not going to be a top three receiver for them. But if he developed, he could be a big weapon for them. And Ron Rivera just seems to think it's all about reps. But to me, we've seen those drops in practice. What do you – What do you? and he's going to make the team. But what are your expectations for him based off what we saw? I honestly, if it were me – um, I short of necessity with injuries, which they don't have at that position right now. I don't think he would be on the field a lot, you know, or if he was, I wouldn't see the ball going his way a lot. Um, you know, last year they hyped him up. He was high draft pick. He does have a lot of speed. You get to see that like in these preseason games, you see him separate, like he gets room. So clearly that like that threat is there, um, in his route running. And speed. Um, but in the end, if you don't catch the ball, like Hard. what's the point? And this is last year. It looked like he just wasn't NFL aggressive enough to go get it. Like you got to go get it. Watch Terry when he catches the ball. Like that thing is his. Like you, he goes and gets it. Yeah. You know, Big Dotson talks about that a lot. We haven't really seen it yet because he hasn't played in the NFL. Give me talks about that a lot. Cam he showed that at Penn aggressive. State too. Yeah. Cam Sibbs very aggressive. That's why I love Cam Sibbs. Very aggressive to the ball. Like he's going to get it if you put it in his vicinity. I don't see this with Brown. 
And then they talked about that through his rookie year. And I, and I chalked it up to it's a rookie year. Like, like I want to be fair to him. Like it's a transition. And they said he needed to get more physical. And then he ended up playing some special teams late in the season. That seemed to like kind of turn a corner for him and, and a light bulb went off. And this year, actually at the beginning of camp, I think I've talked to you a number of times where I'm like, this guy looks different to me. Like mm-hmm. looked better, looked mm-hmm. different. And then, you know, consistency matters. It's funny. I was talking to Logan Paulson about the other day, and I'm like, the real interesting part about watching training camp through the years is one week you'll see some guy and he's really standing out. And then the next week you'll be like, what happened to this person? Right. And that's part of the consistency part of the NFL that clearly becomes important. Can we rely on you game after game, week after week to put up a consistent performance and we're back to and last night he had two of them one was it happens he had a he had a pure drop on a third down over the middle of the field it happens um so i'm not gonna kill him over it i mean he needs to make the catch but i'm not gonna kill him over it that was a touchdown he dropped that was yeah. a perfect pass for some reason he put one hand up it made no it, sense I, it made no sense like so like i don't know like if you're the coaches it doesn't this come down to trust yeah. how right at the moment too. Do you, do you trust him to make a big play when you need him to make a big play? Right. And I, you know, it's funny with him because last year, his rookie year, first week and a half or so of camp, I thought he was pretty good. And I remember even making a prediction. We had to make a prediction. I was like, well, he's going to be the best, most productive rookie. And then two days later, just based on what we saw over the next few days, I regretted doing that because more, not so much because I thought it was going to be horrible, but because you saw more growing pains. And I thought there'd be more of that with him. And, and there were, and then this year, early in camp thought the same thing as we talked about this, like he looked good. And then the more camp went on, the more the inconsistency showed, but he's not going to like, so right now he's going to be at best a fourth receiver. Personally, I, I think Cam Sims is more consistent. I think I used him a lot more, but they're different. They offer different skills. That speed is always welcomed with, with the whole, um, let's go back to the offense to less about last night and more about the offense in general and those third down situations, because the big key to me with those is not just sustaining drives, obvious, but they have a lot of guys that they can get the ball to. If they want to use a running back by committee and use Antonio Gibson and use McKissick and Robinson, all of them, you can't do that unless you're converting third downs, because then it allows you to get into more of the playbook as well. So with that, how do you think the running back position is going to shape up this year? That is such a, I mean, I never thought it would be this complicated, but it, it is. All three of them, I know Gibson's gotten some heat because things kind of switched around, but all three of them deserve to be on the field. All three of them deserve to have opportunity, and it's going to be up to the offense to, and Scott Turner to figure out how to do that. Like, there really is a one-ball problem here. Um, and and that's a good problem, I would think, to have. Hopefully, it's going to end up manifesting as a good problem. Um, it looks like Brian Robinson is your standard in-between-the-tackles running back, but we did learn during camp he can catch the ball, especially mm-hmm. in traffic. That was, that was a surprise development. I didn't hear that about him coming out of college. I heard all the other stuff. He looks like an NFL running back. Um, Antonio Gibson, I think, will be a primary back up if you could put it that way i still think he'll get five to ten carries a game i don't see why he wouldn't and then i think if you're not figuring out a way to get at least a handful of targets his way i think you're making a mistake because he's the guy of all of them of all these weapons that turns the five yard pass into the 60 yard play if he makes somebody miss 
So I don't know how that person ends up on the bench, which then goes to J.D. McKissick, where I'm like, well, if both of those guys are going to be doing this, when does he get opportunity? And of the three of them, as a pass receiver and move the sticks player, there's nobody more reliable on the team than right. him. No, so he's one of the best I, I down like in football. There's definitely going to be weeks where people get lost in the shuffle, like whether it's McLaurin one week or Dotson one week or at least one of these running backs. And I, the the actual the the interesting part is I can't wait to see what they roll out because I don't think they've practiced the formations and what they're going to do. And I could see that there would be this kind of gut feeling of let's just kind of blow the roof off everybody and do all these things no one has seen. And I'm not so sure that that's going to be coordinated well because I haven't seen much of the of it, and it will be under the auspice of trying to get everybody the ball. So, you know, this summer I thought would be about trying to figure out what are they good at collectively, you know, knowing that they have all these pieces. And I don't know that I really have actually an answer to that at this point other than to say I'm very confident of the skill position group in totality. In fact, I think it's one of the best in the league. And I think it's one of the best that this team has had top to bottom running back tight end receiver in a very long time. I think it's very good. I think the other thing, Bram, too, is to watch the parents, because I think, again, I've talked about this before, but like the the parent, the versatility that these guys offer leads to multiple different pairings. And you can pair if you want to J.D. McKissick and Gibson or McKissick and Robinson, J.D. and, and Robinson together. And then you throw in Curtis Samuel in there. You can use him in that running back set as well. So it gives them that versatility, but it will be hard to like there. You're right. Like there were weeks last year was like, why didn't JD McKissick get the ball much this week? He seemed to be an afterthought. And then the next week he catches eight passes or whatever it is. So I think there that will be the case, but you know, what, what do you think, what do you think this offensive, the offensive identity should be for this team? Honestly, like I think they're a run team with short and intermediate passes and the occasional shot over the top when they get the right matchup that said like you know watching them practice this past week where i i actually thought we saw some real formations and some real pairings like you're talking about um i finally got a glimpse of what i thought it was going to be which is they have specific people that are very good at very specific zones on the field and for the first time and this goes back to diami brown a little bit because i think he is a true deep threat if he makes catches that I think that they are versatile in all three stages of the field, the stuff out of the backfield, the intermediate routes, and then the deep game. And that's rare. Like they haven't had something like that where I don't know if they get the right pairings out there, how in the world a defense can expect to defend them. I think they're going to be stretched by them. Um, and then it's up to the commanders to figure out how to utilize it, get the right matchups and make the most of the opportunity that they have in front of them. That said, like, just going back on what I've seen from Wentz the last couple of years, he's excellent in the short and intermediate game, play action, ball fakes, getting the ball out of his hands quickly. So he's got three receivers that should be able to thrive in a system like that. He's got three running backs that could potentially thrive in a system like that. And I think they found out in the middle of last season, and maybe this was somewhat out of necessity, they were a better run team than they were a pass team, frankly. Granted they, have, granted, they have a better quarterback now, but like that's the truth of it. So I actually think that they're, I don't think they're going to be chucking the ball down the field a ton, at least not initially. I think they'll take their shots here and there, 
But the reality is ball's getting out of Wentz's hand really fast in the hopes of getting it into the hands of a speedy player who can make somebody miss. And in, I could make an argument in the case of at least Gibson, McKissick, McLaurin, Dotson. There's a lot of options there to do that, and it might be a safer way to play. Well, and I think what Robinson gives you that consistency as a runner to stay ahead of the change. And it's funny because last year I advocated for a run. You know, I don't believe in just like, oh, you just got a ball control all the time. If you have the weapons, you use them. But I felt like with that team last year, they needed to be more of a run team because that's where their strength was. And I think with Robinson there, I think the ability to put Wentz in better situations with the passing game would be beneficial. What about Scott Turner? What kind of pressure do you think he faces this year to to show what he can do as a coordinator? I think there's a lot of pressure on him. I mean, he's I don't think there's a lot of excuses with the talent that he has. Um, they also went and got what we think can be a high level quarterback, you know, professional knows what he's doing. They're not training this guy like he's been around the block. He's been an MVP candidate before. He knows this division like. You know, there's not a lot of excuses there other than with the one caveat of I don't think we know the relative health of the offensive line. Right. And so protection is going to be a big deal. It's been a big thing that I've been concerned about since the decisions that were made in the spring. And we'll see what happens here. And hopefully, like Andrew Norwell and, you know, really winging a prayer, hopefully Trey Turner is available to them. He hasn't practiced since or barely practiced since the first couple of days. So if they can get the guys that they believe to be starters back on the field, then probably all's well that ends well. But I'm having a hard time after watching camp feeling like they're going to be available. All of them are going to be available or 100% or stay that way. So protection, I think, is going to be a really, really, really big deal. And so to be fair to Turner, like if that breaks down on them, that's, you know, that's not his fault. I think that as that's the fault of a lot of decisions that have occurred and some bad luck with with attrition. Um, but outside of that, if they do protect relatively well, um, this is a test for him this year. Like he has all the requisite weapons. He has the quarterback that's capable of doing everything at every level of the field that they've been asking. Can he coordinate this and get it together? Can he create some matchups? Can he utilize his weapons to uh, so that, you know, they all do share in the game plan? And does, you know, if there's a week where, Terry McLaurin gets lost in the game plan, or JD McKissick gets lost or Jahan Dotson gets lost. How do they then react? Are they going to be reactionary? Cause like, as you pointed out, there were weeks where JD McKissick didn't get the ball. And then all of a sudden it felt like it almost felt like they had to the next week because they wanted to be reactionary to what was being said. Um, I think in this case with this team, I would hope they wouldn't be that they would game plan specifically for defenses that they would try to find the best matchups. And if somebody doesn't, you know, get his touches, that's okay as long as we're winning and scoring. So I think this is a really, really big test of Scott Turner this year for sure. And and I agree with that. And they have not had good quarterbacks the last couple of years. And so, and like, it, I think Taylor Heidenke did an admirable job last year. And I, I just, I never liked putting anything negative on him because I love the story and I love what he's done. Yeah, and I, I think he deserves that. a lot of praise for that. Yeah. But the league views him as a, as a backup and, and that he's a high-end backup here. But I also, so I'm curious to see the impact of that for Scott Turner in this offense. And I always go back, Ram, to, it was 2011 with Kyle Shanahan. And you could see that his offense worked. But you could see that the talent wasn't there. And you could see him as a coordinator, the way he could set things up. You could see the bones of that. And so when he, you know, you knew when you got it. So I'm curious to see, like, well, have we seen that with Scott Turner? 
And how much of that has been, then you go back to the quarterback play, how much of that has been a big time handicap for them. And I think it would be for any coordinator, but you can still see what a guy can do even without the talent, how they set things up, et cetera. So I'll be curious to see how that changes it for him. And then again, the third downs will be a big key because the more you can convert those and at least be good in that area, then the more you can get to your playbook and setting things up and we can see more of the design of it. But I do think I agree that I think this is a big year for him to show that conversely. Well, you know what? I want to stay. I'm going to get to Jack Del Rio in a second, but let's stay on offense real quick because you brought up Sam Howell earlier. What is it that you liked about him this summer? Oh, he's pretty accurate. Yeah. Like, you know, he's got a really good arm. Um, I'm pretty convinced if he was three inches taller, he would have been a second round pick this year now, even with like, you know, the change in his yep. stats at North Carolina. And now contextually, they make a lot more sense. Like guys like Brown and these other NFL players that were on his team weren't there anymore. And they changed their offense on him, and they made him more of a running quarterback, which apparently is paying dividends in the summer. How many sacks did he break out of last night? Like he looked, he actually looked like Heineke a little bit breaking out of the sacks, getting out of the pocket. Um, he can run. He makes very good choices when he runs. He doesn't put himself in danger when he runs. So he's got a really good feel for the game. Um, and, you know, listen, he's, you know, listen, what, what were there? Five sacks last night? Something like that. So, yeah. So, and um, so there's that, but I'd be like, he's rookie. Like, you know, I would, I would expect that nothing's going to be perfect. Um, but he's been very impressive. I mean, if you want to have like some hopes about what he could be in a few years, you know, because he's not going to start here. I mean, like that's not now, like, it's just, it's not going to happen. Like, I don't care what he looks like or what fans say or what Twitter says, like they spent a lot of assets to get Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is the starting quarterback short of an injury. Nothing is going to change that. And let's see how the year goes. And these conversations always shift at the end of a year. But if all goes well, Carson Wentz is going to be the quarterback here for the next three to five years minimum. Like that's the hope is what ends up happening, which means he'll be behind him for a while and he'll have to come to terms with that. But I felt like what I've seen this summer is they got themselves a pretty darn good deal for a fifth round pick. If he's going to be potentially a backup for them down the road or potentially a starter, but, um, you know, I never, everybody, everybody gets all really excited about all this stuff. I just, I think like, you know, just understand what the score is here. Everybody needs to know what the score is here. You can be as excited as you want about what you saw. There's no path for him to be the starter in the near term at all. Short of injuries. And there's a gap, as I always keep telling you, there's a gap between Wentz and Heineke and there's a gap between Heineke and, and Sam Howe and Howe did a nice job. Like I like, I felt like he steadily improved throughout camp. His accuracy was pretty good. I think he throws a nice catchable ball for someone with a really the good arm like that. And I, you know, there were a couple of times, even last night, where he gets through the progressions pretty quickly, and when he sees it, it goes. I think that was good too. Um, I will say, you know, he's not a big guy, so you wonder about the pounding on that and um, in that area, and also over seeing over the line, et cetera, et cetera. But he's done a nice. He did a nice job, and I think I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes. For those wondering down the road, if Carson Wentz doesn't work out, there's a decent chance that another coaching staff is coming in and they'll bring their own guy in. So unless like something happens to Wentz like next year or something like that and Howell goes in and does something, I would see him as much as a future backup here. That, to be honest, I think that's almost the best thing because it means that Wentz has worked out. 
So, and I think if they can develop him into a solid backup, then you have him next year instead of Heineke, who is a free agent after the year. Let's get to the defense. Jack Del Rio, same thing with Scott Turner. A hot seat for him? Um, or no? I'm not there yet with any of that stuff. Um, you know, like, you know, I, I felt like we've had, we've talked about this a lot where Rivera kind of almost kind of put himself on it a little bit, even though there's no whiff of it, you know, at the beginning of the year, because he's like saying like, I know it's year three. I know we need to win more. Well, when you say things like that, like all of a sudden you're putting the pressure on right. yourself and no one's putting it on you, you know, outside the organization. Um, with Del Rio, it's probably a little different than Turner. I think, you know, Wentz is new. You know, there, there, there are some, the, the protection could be a problem. So there are some potential built-in excuses if they're not a, you know, top 15 offense this year. Although I would, you know, look at them a little more critically than I have in the past. Cause I think talent is there to be something like that. But with Del Rio, I think, um, I think in Rivera too, for that matter, in this, for this purpose of this discussion, um, while I don't look at them and go, that's the 85 bears, um, they're a little out of excuses here with, in terms of them being a reliably good above average defense, yeah. I'm not demanding them be in the top five, although the schedule reads like they should be in the top 10 and I'll just take upper half at this point. And if you see some real development in Montez sweat, Deron Payne, who are incentivized to have very big years John Allen, who I think we have come accustomed to, will be the most reliable and consistent player among that group. Let's see what happens with Chase Young. There are some serious questions about depth at, in the secondary and certainly at linebacker. So I don't think this is a complete roster by any stretch, but I really don't feel like there's many excuses for them any longer. This is year three of about the same group of people that we've been told are very capable and we believe are very capable of being very effective. And if they're in the bottom half of the league, I don't know if there's an excuse for that this year. So we'll just have to see how it plays out. Well, listen too. look at that. Look at the, the front six, because they basically play a four, two, five, essentially. You look at that front six, when Chase Young is back, five of those first six, five of those six guys are former first round picks. Cause you throw yeah. Jamin Davis in there. So you've got to have a certain level of success with that. And I think one thing with Del Rio, because first of all, he didn't pick the staff. So when you're a coordinator, I think it's not just on you to get this right. When Greg, and I always point out, when Greg Williams was here, he had a really good staff. There were good coaches. On. Greg Blosh was a hell of a coach. You know, Steve Jackson was a good secondary coach. So they were they were good in that regard. I don't know when you look at this defensive staff, I think they've got to prove themselves too as being a good staff. And, and again, though, that's not who Del Rio picked, not make an excuse for them. That's just a fact. Two years ago, they were top five in yards and points allowed. That's also a fact. Now you look at the schedule two years ago, subpar quarterbacks last year, tougher quarterbacks. But I also felt like last year, not, it wasn't just the quarterbacks. I just think they didn't play well. So I just want to see a unit that is a competitive, well-coached unit. And you again, yeah. the same thing I say with Scott Turner. You can say that about a team that is maybe like they may not be great, but you say, hey, if they do things right, they're well-coached, whatever. 
get off the field on third downs. And I think people will be happy because that will automatically improve you. Um, so, you know, I think if I think there's pressure to do much better and to get that defensive line playing in unison and being the, the anchor of that defense, the way they should be. But, you know, I think if there's, we'll see how the, if they're really bad, then yeah, at the end of the year, then there's, there's going to be a lot of speculation, but, you know, I think so much of this year or so much of defense is based on the quarterbacks you're facing and based on the schedule, they yeah. should be better. So we should expect improvement in that area. Correct. Yeah. Oh, I think so. I mean, you know, like go look at their schedule. I've been talking about this for months. Go look at their schedule. Like there's not a lot of excuses here, at least on paper. They're not playing this murderer's row of quarterbacks again, like they did a year ago. Right. You know, the same thing happened to Philadelphia last year. Philadelphia right. had a top five defense, but they right. weren't really a top five defense. Nope. It was because of the schedule they ended up playing. Yep. Very um, much like so, Washington two years ago. You know, and, and look at what they did in the offseason. They know yeah. that they improved themselves on that right. side of the ball significantly they because yep. they did not look at that and go like we were writing how great they were after the year of 2020 and they regressed, if you will, but played a tougher schedule. Philadelphia played a weakish schedule against a lot of weakish quarterbacks, had a top five defense, but did not sit back and go, oh, I guess we're good. Yeah, like they went and significantly upgraded what they have. So, but I do think this team is a bit out of excuses here. I'm not going to pretend that they're complete roster. I'm not going to pretend they have Devin White playing linebacker. They don't right now. I'm not going to pretend that Jalen Ramsey's playing cornerback for them. That's not happening right now. But I do think they have enough. And especially with the schedule looking like it is, um, they they have enough to be top 15 for sure. Like top half of the league. And I think anything short of that would be a disappointment. And there are a couple things you know, from the preseason that I mentioned earlier that are problematic. Like their third down defense, the first couple of games looked like it did a year ago when they come out of almost every single half. It's as if they're like not ready to go and they get behind and they give up points and they're not causing turnovers. And that's a carryover too. last year. They did not cause a lot of turnovers. No. So these are the things that win games and this is on them to be better. So hopefully they will be, and they'll start playing to the potential again that I think we all know that they have. Right, and I'm I'm with you. I think you know the excuses are done. I would, but the reason I would, the only, and I'm not I'm not trying to defend Del Rio or not. I think there's just it's more to it than just fire the guy and change him. It's it's that's never that's always too simplistic because when you with these failures, I think it's on a staff and an organization. It's on the players, and again, I would even with the D line. If you didn't like Sam Mills, well, now he's gone. Go play better. So now, now the the, the your, your what you felt was an impediment is gone. So now it's on you to play better. So, but yeah, I do think like they have to improve. They have to play better. I'm concerned about the corner depth. I thought I was, I thought early on in camp, like you know, could Holmes be a guy that does does something? To, is Danny Johnson coming off a good year? I was not. I did not. I did not like how the way it unfolded throughout the summer. So that's a to me that's a concern. Um, how do you feel like in the NFC East, this team stacks up? Pretty well. I mean, I mean, that's the good news. I think they're in a division where, you know, they can be and should be very competitive. You know, just on paper, it looks like the Giants are a third or fourth place team to me um, in a first year with a new head coach and and a roster that I would say is the weakest of the three teams. So like let's of the four teams. So let's, you know, I, I don't expect them to surprise anybody. Dallas looks like a regression in at least on their roster. Um, they also have suffered a bad injury the other day. I don't think you replaced Tyron Smith. Right. Um, when Jerry Jones is saying everything goes through Zeke, oh, 
<laughs> really? Like, have you not watched him the last couple of years? Um, they gave Amari Cooper away. I don't know why. Randy Gregory got away. Like, they did not improve. Like, this is, there's no way you can make an argument that they're improved from where they were a year ago. And when their coach is sitting there being questioned about his job security on day one of camp and they open day the season one. against Tampa Bay and Cincinnati, and they could be 0 2, like, I don't know. I that, that one has the feel of it's not going to go very well or they're going to be like 500. So I like that, you know, for Washington's chances. The one I think that's dangerous is Philadelphia. Yeah. Like if Jalen Hurts takes the step that people are suggesting he might, he actually becomes a more accurate passer. Um, they're really, really, really dangerous. Yeah. Uh, their offensive line is well-coached, tremendous amount of talent, extremely athletic. They added A.J. Brown, so they get a real number one receiver. Devontae Smith had a very good rookie year. Goddard's as good a tight end as you're going to find. They know how to run the ball. Outside of Lamar Jackson, Hurts is the best at this zone read rush offense as a trigger man on it. He's incredible at it. So if he actually becomes more accurate, they're dangerous, and their defense bulked up. Like, I think they're, I don't think they're just a favorite in our division. I think they're a prohibitive one, actually. I think they're a prohibitive favorite. They're like the team to chase. And I wouldn't, I would go so far as to say, I wouldn't be surprised if they're a high seed in the playoffs, the way the NFC is kind of shaking out yeah. right now. Like, I think, I think they're a very dangerous team. And I agree with it all hinges on Hurts. Just like I think here, so much hinges on how good is Wentz. If Hurts is really good, they're a threat. If Wentz is really good, I think, you know, it wouldn't shock me if those two teams are duking it out at the end at all. Um, but but that, but I think for both teams to do get to a certain point, that has to happen. I think I have more questions on Washington's defense, but I did like what the Eagles did. What about for, we've got a couple minutes left, most encouraging sign and then most discouraging sign for you with Washington this summer? Uh, well, because I had so many questions about Wentz, I actually feel good about him. So that to me is very encouraging. Like those first couple of weeks of camp, that was real. What was happening? They could, they could spin it all they want, but it was. And then they were making an excuse of it's just camp. Calm down. Like this is not abnormal. Like, and I'm watching the ball go all over the place and be off here and off there. And I was worried. And then the two preseason game, two preseason games came along. And honestly, in practice, and I feel like there's a complete different control. Now, we haven't seen him in the live games again. And until we do, I don't think we know how he's going to perform. But I actually feel way better about him. So if that's the case, um, you know, I, I feel like we're in really good shape offensively. Um, and then outside of that, like, that was the one that really, for me, was the one I was really, I thought a lot of eggs were put in that basket. And I, I think he's starting to look like what they said he was going to be. And if that's going to happen, I think we've learned this through the years because we have not had it. Good quarterback play can take you a long way. If they're going to have it, even if it's not top five quarterback play, but top, again, not only like the defense, top half of the league, top 10 quarterback play there's going to be a lot more wins and losses yeah. if that happens. So, so that's what I'm actually pretty optimistic about until I see him play in real games, but man, my, ner my nerves are calmed after seeing him, you know, progress through the summer and playing those two preseason games. I actually feel very good about him heading into the season. So in in a minute, what about, what was the miss most discouraging? Got about a minute. I think the, um, I think the defense, like, especially because in camp, they look like they're killing people and then they get out on the field and they can't stop anybody. And right. this is the starters. So um, that is discouraging. Um, and hopefully things will will change there. 
There you go. And I, you know, it's, it's a funny thing with the defense, like, well, they weren't showing everything, but the offenses they were playing weren't showing everything either. So I'll be curious how that plays out. But that to me will be, again, like I said with Wentz, it may be, you know, if the defense plays poorly, it's going to be a tough season for, to match the expectations. Bram, you thank know, you very last much. thing on the defense, real quick. Okay. I'll just say this really quickly. I agree with Doc Walker now when he said this last week to me. They they cannot rely on that front four just to get the pressure. They got to be more aggressive. Right. So I that. fully anticipate them bringing way more pressure this year, yeah. especially early in the season. That's what I think. I, I think it needs to happen. I agree with them. I'm a thousand percent in agreement. When they lost Young and Sweat, they did more. They were more aggressive on third downs. That has to continue with the, with those guys in there. I think it makes it more effective. And I agree with both you guys on that. Bram, thanks a lot for coming on. And next time we'll talk will be after the Jaguars game. Sounds good. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Bram for joining me. And thank you, as always, for tuning in. I know you have choices. I appreciate you choosing this show. I'll be back with another episode on Tuesday, wrapping up the final cuts and looking at the 53-man roster. Talk to you next time.